Welcome to Notes from the Field, presented by Canon Press and Noeo Science. Hey, Gordon, good to see you. Good to see you, Will, as always. Yes, indeed. And here we are, Notes from the Field, and yeah. you know, it's a great time of year to get out on the field. It is. Actually, I just got back from a herpetology field trip. So, but that's not our topic, but we did, we did catch a few species. Yeah. A baby, uh, valley garter snake. Excellent. Long-toed salamander and a Western skink. Oh, very nice. That's a neat, neat lizard. Yeah, Yeah, it is. But yeah. The fun uh, time of year to, fun time of year to get out in the field. I know these shows are on delay, but, uh, you know, spring. Creatures start moving, things start waking up and growing. And, right. And plants are, and plants and <clears throat> fungi are, are beginning this process that yeah. uh, we're going to kind of uh, cut to the end here. Poly- yeah, we're going to cut to the end because, you know, in springtime, that's when a lot of pollination occurs. And, uh, and that whole process of, we're not going to go into that, but just the 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 sperm is in well i will briefly the sperm goes into is the sperm is in the pollen yeah and the pollen lands on a stigma pollen tube grows down the stigma down all the way to the ovule which is an immature seed and the sperm travels down that tube and knows exactly where to go up uh the pollen tube knows where to go it's mind boggling it is my it we just sort of learn it in biology but just all of the molecular and chemical signals to have the pollen tube grow to the right spot and and then deliver that sperm to fertilize the egg inside an ovule and then a little plant embryo grows and then stops and then becomes a seed yeah so and so then the seed matures and may even overwinter but we're going to talk today about seed dispersal how do plants since plants don't have legs or wings to, well, not animal wings, right? Uh, to fly around, how do they get from one place to another? Yeah. And then spores, that's the other cool thing. And the reason I came up with this particular topic is, is when I'm teaching biology, some of my favorite things to teach are how do spores get, you know, what are the ways that Either plants or fungi deliver their spores. Yeah, the mecha- what's the mechanism oh, of it's delivery? Fantastic. Well, and it's it's been fun to to kind of learn that about you. You really do hone in on those mechanisms. I do like mechanisms. And, I and lo- you do because- it in a thorough way. And so I I think I love it. Uh, that's that's not my inclination necessarily, but I'm I love learning more about those mechanisms. And this this topic this topic is it it's just huge. Uh, there's so many different types of plants. Right. So many different types of flowering plants uh, that, that Gordon was mentioning here earlier on. These are sexually producing plants that throw their sperm up into the air or in the water and, and voila, uh, down the road, we finally end up with these seeds. And so we're so going to get the next generation. So should we talk about seeds first and how do seeds get around? Yeah, um, that sounds fun. And then we'll move and on def- to my favorite, which are the spores. Yeah, maybe define the, uh, maybe define the seed versus the spore for starters. Yeah, is that spores, a- I mean, a seed is a plant embryo. Right. Okay. It's a, a plant embryo contained in a, a, a container, a seed coat, some other tissues involved, 
but mostly seed coat. And then a lot of times inside the seed coat, the rest of the thing is a plant embryo. Right. Good. Sometimes there's some other tissues called endosperm and that, stuff like that. But for the most part, plant embryos that's in suspended animation. Yeah. They're, um, they're, they're, they're sort of frozen, not frozen literally, but stopped. They're, they stop they're, metabolizing. Yeah. More or less, they're just done. They're done and just add water and a few other things like oxygen and the seed germinates. Yeah, so you now, go get your bag of go get your bag of dry beans right. out of the cabinet, take a couple kidney beans out and and you let them soak a little bit and you set them on the paper towel and then they germinate. Yeah, and but the, but the the idea of, you know, a plant that has big seeds often just drops the seeds right where right where they are. But there's other ways, very ingenious ways that were designed to get the plants Elsewhere, not just right under mom. Under mom and dad. Yeah. You got to leave and, and cleave, even if you're a plant. Yeah, exactly. So there's not going to be room for a hundred oak trees mm -hmm. underneath a, a big red oak. Right. Yeah. So one of the one of the obvious ways that plants were designed by God to get their their offspring far afield to to the four cast to the four winds. Yes. Is animals. So, yes, my favorite mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> so, how, I mean, <clears throat> animals, particularly, you're a bird guy. So, how, how do, uh, yeah. So, I have one bird in particular I'll, I'll talk about here in a second, but maybe just to, uh, maybe just to uh, touch on it uh, a little bit of this uh, draw. What is going to draw? So, this, if the seed is a salesman, if the plant's a salesman, it needs to pitch it. Pitches, sales pitch, so some, someone wants to come and take these seeds away. Right. And if, especially if it's an animal that's going to do it. And so it's got to it's do one of several things. One, it's got to smell good. That's mm -hmm. a possibility. And so we have fruit. Mm -hmm. And we help with that ourselves. We right. eat the fruit. We throw the seed in the compost or maybe in the trash or maybe we throw right. it in the yard. And uh, that's dispersing it. Yeah. That's one and, way to do and, it. And, and uh, so many animals eat the fruit whole. Right. And the fruit is often, well, that is the plant's uh, ovary. Okay. It's a mature ovary. Sorry to be so graphic, but it is a mature ovary and the seeds are inside it. So if you get a nice fleshy fruit that is delectable, it brings the animals in, birds or other animals that eat that fruit. And then, then the seed goes through there. As they're walking around, the seed goes through their gut. Yeah. And My, then, then exits and goes to the outside world in ready-made fertilizer. Absolutely. It's such a brilliant yeah. scheme. The, right. the one creature there that is interesting to me as I drink my coffee here is the Asian palm civet, oh. uh, which is this arboreal uh, feline cat species uh, on the, in Indonesia. I believe it's on the Indian subcontinent as well. And this creature is well known for its uh, love of coffee cherries, right? So okay. coffees aren't actually beans. Uh, they look like beans when you have just the seed in your hand and you're about to roast it or grind it. Um, but they actually produce a stone fruit like a cherry. And so if you've ever eaten a cherry, they have a, that pit, they have that big stone fruit and this, uh, this coffee. Fruit. So is the coffee bean, I haven't really looked at the actual it's plant. It's a cherry. It's the, 
Right, but is the coffee bean that we grind, is yeah. it inside the pit it's or ins- is it the pit? It is the pit. It is it's the pit. It's the pit. And so the frugivore, fruit-eating creatures like these civets, they kind of focus exclusively on fruit. And then the tropics, they just have a smorgasbord to choose from. Right. Um, and so they will uh, eat off that, uh, they'll, they'll take the whole fruit in and they'll, they'll chew up and, and then swallow and digest the exterior fleshy, maybe sweet portion. I can't imagine how a coffee fruit would taste. Right. And then they- Civets like it. Civets like it. And then, uh, then, that, um, then that pit goes through the digestive system, the acids are applied, and then mm-hmm. that exits. Right. And interest, even more bizarre, since I love biology because we get to talk about the gross stuff. Right. We can. And, I, and, I, and, and yeah, some can people be, don't like that as some dinner people conversation. Don't, yeah. But- I, I have no trouble. Now you, you kids out there, you have to obey house rules. So That's right. if your parents don't want you talking about this kind of stuff at the table, then you, you mind them. That's right. You, you leave <laughs> the room before you talk about pollination or before you talk about these civets, uh, that go ahead and finish their business, leaving the coffee seeds behind. Right. And then. Many times those are collected and processed and, and are considered to be a gourmet variety of coffee. Wow. 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 And there are even, even uh, people in Indonesia and other parts of Southeast, Southeast Asia that are in the process of, of actively working with the civets uh, to make sure that they can have a, a ample supply right. of these specialty coffee beans. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and many seeds need to go through That's right. digestive tract. Because of the, the enzymes and the acids leach away a lot of the uh, inhibitors in the seed coat. Sometimes the seed coat is really, really tough and it needs to really run the gauntlet of the digestive tract to right. be ready to germinate. And in some places that's going through a harsh winter. Right. In other places well, yeah, it's going some, through a some, digestive system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Many of these seeds need a, it's, scarification is one of the terms they use. Yeah. To describe that process. And we've even learned how to do that. Uh, we've learned from God's creation yet again, if we want to get something to grow sooner, we can put it through an acid wash mm-hmm. or put it into a, a cold situation for a certain yeah, set period of time. after ripening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one way to- um, To disperse guess, the seeds. Yeah, is to just hitch a ride on an animal or in an in animal. An animal. How about on an animal? Yeah. There's a lot of uh, seed coats or actually the fruit. Uh, we all often think that fruit are just fleshy and yummy. and But no, there's a lot of dry fruits that have a, a husk of, if you will, that's uh, out the container that the, the outside the seeds. Right. And it is a fruit, even though it's, it's uh, dry and brittle. But often they have a lot of cool stuff that clings to the fur or feathers that allows an animal to, well, they hitch a ride. The hitchhikers. Yeah. We think of the famous cockleburrs and a whole bunch of other fruits that will have these, actually, the person who invented Velcro just copied nature. Uh, Yeah, exactly. By looking at the uh, cockleburr. And so the, the uh, fruit wall has these nice little hooks that catch on fur and uh, rides or socks or whatever. We, we often disperse things too. And there's a bunch of other 
plants that really know how to cling on to fur, feathers, or whatever, and finally plop to another location. But one of my, uh, uh, of course, then there's flight. Oh, yeah. What are some... uh, You're thinking about winged seeds? Winged seeds or fluff. Yeah. One of Uh, my favorites, I guess, would be uh, probably something, well, probably most of your, you kids out there, your favorites, my guess, one one of them would be the cattails. And I kind of despair when I see cattails as a parent, you know, it's fun for a while, but then all of a sudden, if there's not enough breeze, oh, everyone's eating it and it, and and it just is dense. But those cattails, uh, they are just made to catch the wind. Right. They can, yeah. And fly. And so any place that's, that's fairly wet, standing water, uh, often cattails will just grow in these low areas that has moisture most of the year round. And, and so a cattail, when it sends off its seeds in that fluff, it'll just go anywhere and it might land in a dry patch and nothing happens. But if it lands in a wet spot that's wet most of the time, then it can establish itself in a new cattail population. But I think of dandelions. They're one of my favorites because when they have the send up the yellow flowers that we often see in a, a weedy yard, and then all of a sudden that yellow flowers, uh, the, uh, the umbrella, pop, I'll just call it umbrella. We all are familiar with it. It's called yeah. pappas. It's, it's a nice little umbrella. It looks like an inverted umbrella, you know, like when a wind catches a, a, uh, an umbrella too hard and just sort of inverts it. Right. That's what dandelions, actually, those are dandelion fruits to be specific. They're dry fruits and they are on a little stalk. And at the end of that stalk's a nice little fluff. And those things are just incredible. Oh, they're so perfectly um, designed. They're perfectly designed. Now, of course, everybody thought, oh, it's a nice little natural parachute. And it is. It, it catches the wind and it descends slowly. And it makes sense why it descends slowly. But actually, physicists just recently discovered that this uh, little pappus, which is this little tuft of bristles that looks like the parachute part of a dandelion, has just the right number of bristles. 90 to 110. And as the wind flows through those, as the air, as it's descending, as the air flows through those bristles, it creates a detached vortex. Yeah. Which, which will create more drag than was expected. And this was sort of a new phenomenon to physicists. And when they looked at this, at the dandelion seed in a wind tunnel, they, they, they saw this detached vortex. Yeah. Now, I'm not a physicist, but it's really cool, and it, it actually slows its descent even more than you would expect. Yep. And just the right number of bristles to cause that. Incredible. So, so it can ride on animals, in animals, through the air, and there are a number of other things. But Yeah, dandelions are incredible. And that whole, all those composites that form a type of similar uh, dry fruit with the, with the parachute attachment, they're just, they're fun 
to watch. And this is something, you know, you don't have to wait too long. Those dandelions mature rather rapidly. Yes, they do. And if you want them to mature more rapidly, just mow your grass. And they'll, yeah. they'll pop up the next flower lower and it will mature faster. Right. And, and I would say just worth, it's worth taking 10 minutes, 15 minutes sitting down, uh, everyone grabbing their own little dandelion stalk with the nice puff ball on the end and just blow it and watch. And maybe yeah. just, maybe just pick one or two of them to watch and, and watch that pattern. Uh, or maybe no, you won't see the detached vortex. No, no, you definitely won't see the detached <laughs> vortex, but you will see the pattern of movement yeah. of that seed. And you might even have some fun if you want to make it more of a, a data a, a learning opportunity or a teaching opportunity for collecting data. Maybe you could measure how far the seeds disperse and do a little, do a little oh, yeah, research that way. On who's like a turtle race, you know, so <laughs> you, you don't know which way yours is going to go, but you can start in the center. <laughs> Oh, okay. And, and measure the radius uh, from the center out and how in each person's holding their own dandelions. I always wondered how a turtle yeah, race would work. that'd be rough. That'd be rough <laughs> to know, hey, that was mine, that one. Um, it's going to be hard to label them. That's true. Yeah. And then if you label them, you know, with whatever, then they weigh more and they won't go as far. Anyway, thought of. No, but, uh, you know, uh, lots of other winged seeds out there. The The ferns have been traditionally called. Uh, terophyta, uh, mm -hmm. P-T-E-R-O, that taro meaning wing, just like right. our pteranodon or, or our pterodactyl. But they don't have the, so, right, but the maple is what. Yeah, um, so different type of plant with a different type of reproductive structure, the fern. Yeah, it has um, the spores. Right. Um, but we're, and I'm tempted to get onto spores very quickly yeah. here, but. What a, a good old maple seed. We better. They're fun to watch. Yeah. The, they, by the way, that's a, sorry to disappoint, but it's not a seed. It's a fruit. The seed is inside, but they're called Samaras. Yeah. And um, they have this wonderful helicopter air wing foil. Yeah. That when they detach from the tree, they spin beautifully through the air and travel a little bit farther than if they were just a seed with no wing. Right. Yeah, not as far as those dandelions typically, no, no. but no, they do have a neat. Oh, and uh, I forgot about the things that float. I mean, coconuts. I was going to talk about oh, coconuts go, you too. Do no, I, no, I, I was going to bring them up at least. No, coconuts are more of my interest in coconuts has been the speculation about how they, where they came from originally uh -huh. and how they got from here to there. Right. And we, and of course, we love to speculate about these things, especially when we kind of lack any observational right. data, but, but they can float. They are all over the place and they can float for thousands, weeks, thousands of thousands miles, of in, miles in ocean currents and then wash up onto a, some beach in the, in the, in the tropics and some little Island and, uh, germinate and turn into a palm tree. So mm -hmm. that is truly amazing. That is good dispersal. Yeah. <laughs> that is, so, that's maybe, that may be the farthest dispersal. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I, I bet you some dandelion seeds have gone transcontinental, but, um, yeah. because the fluff can really catch those wind currents, yeah. uh, and go way up. Right. Ride the thermals. Yeah. So, so, and, and you got floating, you got riding on animals, in animals, um, in the air. Yeah. So, and lots of examples of each. One other, just, and then we'll go to spores. I was reading up on burrs. We were talking about burrs. The burdock, the cocklebur, and they have those hooks. Uh, there's a group of, of those type of 
plants apparently that are known as the trample burrs as well wow. on the African continent. And they actually will get caught up in the animal's a hoof or foot wow. and just lodge there. They'll even lodge on, on the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Land Rover's tires wow. and, uh, and last for uh, quite some time before they get knocked off into a different location in the, in the sub-Saharan Africa. Hmm. But let's talk about these little tiny creatures. Oh, yeah. Spores. That is, you know, seeds are plant embryos encased in a seed coat. Now, spores are one cell. They are one cell that, that are shrink-wrapped in a membrane in some kind of very resistant wall. And so they can, so they can survive drying and being way up in very inhospitable environments. Right. Um, but this, this, and they are tiny because they're cell size. Yeah. Okay? Single celled. Single celled. And they are exceedingly light because they're tiny. And that means they can catch the slightest updraft, the slightest thermal and ride really high. Mushrooms, as when I was teaching botany for, I don't know, about a 10 years at, at Liberty, the the spores will fall if it's a mushroom. The spores will fall off gills, right? Or puffballs. The spores are inside the puffball, and they have this volcano-like hole that forms, and then they poof out, and it looks like smoke. Mm -hmm. I mean, the spores are so small; they look like smoke. They get wafted up into the air, and if they catch a good enough draft, they can go thirty thousand feet up to the jet stream. You know wow. where where where, you know, airliners fly, I mean, way up there. And if they catch a dread stream, then there's just no limit to how far they can go. They can go across the ocean and land in another continent, the spores. So they can really get around. Yeah. Uh, One of the, I, I've got this ongoing list from my biology students of things they need to experience in their lives. And the first one is getting stung by a jellyfish. Everyone has to experience that at least once. Getting pinched by a crab and you have to, you know, there, there's some teenagers out there who haven't experienced kicking a puffball before. I was, I was just shocked and appalled to hear oh, such a wow. thing. So please find a puffball this summer, everybody, and kick it. Yeah. Or run over with the lawnmower. Just have some fun. Yeah, right. And they're just and fun to watch. Yeah. Disperse and those dis spores. Dis disperse those spores. Yeah. Um, and there are billions. Oh, I mean, we're in this little tiny booth here right now, and we are breathing in spore after spore oh, after spore after spore. They're so tiny. Uh, so you could yeah. put an agar, you know, get a little Petri dish, pour some agar in it, let it solidify, and just leave it open in a dish. And all those good bacteria and fungal spores would land and eventually start to grow. And mm -hmm. we, get a sense for, we get a sense for what we're breathing in. Yeah. So because they're so light, they can go everywhere and invisibly ride all sorts of air currents, but there's just some amazing things about, um, some cool mechanisms. Get back to the mechanism. Yeah. Some of I my never knew you were, a, I never knew you were a mechanic until well, you started this show. I like and biologic. You're a, you're a nature mechanic. I biomechanic. You're a biomechanic. Really. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one of my favorite, we'll get to plant spores because not all plants make seeds. Right. Uh, so you have fungal spores. One of my favorite fungal spore dispersal is the, now I hope I haven't said anything about this. Nope. Um, 
is the Palobolus fungus, which is a cannonball fungus. It grows on cow patties or deer patties. Um, the fungus is a great decomposer for these things. Uh, and they send up their little sporangia, which are these very short uh, fungal stalked things that have a sporangium. Now, sporangium just simply means spore container. And many of these fungi, uh, fungi will have a sporangium and the spores will sprinkle out like pepper out of a pepper shaker. But this one has a sporangium that looks like a cannonball and fires like a cannonball. And what's neat is they, they arise out of the cow patty and they, they have glass-like hyphae, which are the fungal filaments, and they bend their fungal filaments to point toward the rising sun. So you don't want to shoot your cannonball straight up. Right. And in order to get your kids in and dispersed, you want to disperse your kids so they will get eaten by another herbivore <laughs> so they can wind Sounds up in another so they can <laughs> they can get eaten so that they can find themselves in another fresh cow patty mom and dad at dinner you know, yeah. how are you we going to make sure these get, kids get eaten yes, we've got to exactly. do this right they get they got to get eaten <laughs> but the thing is uh if the spores are uh on the on the top of the cow patty they they don't get eaten because the grazer's not going to be eating around that uh it's a they call it a zone of repugnance yeah that's a good yeah, one that's a good I one like it. and so these fungi point their their uh their sporangia away uh at the rising sun there's this optic mechanism that focuses on their that literally causes differential growth so they can point their sporangia for toward the sun and then the pressure builds up underneath the cannonball and then explodes and shoots the cannonball violently at 55 miles an hour. Incredible. And pulls ridiculous number of Gs and shoots it up to six feet away. And the thing is, I mean, the cannonball is no, no wider than a hair. What causes that initial uh, explosion of that? that just a lot of pressure, pressure of the cytoplasm oh, so inside it's just building the bulb, up, over building time. up inside the sporangium four, yeah. which is a sporangium four, uh, sporangium holder, and it it builds up pressure and then just explodes and shoots that cannonball and lands on a blade of grass six feet or so away from the patty. So another herbivore is. Uh, will come along and eat that grass because it's far enough away from the patty for it to be out of that zone of repugnance. Yeah. And it gets into another gut and goes through. And then now the kids can be. Now the kids do their own plopped thing. Plopped out into another patty. <laughs> this is one of the coolest mechanisms. That, that, that was, that, that's pretty fun. And uh, you can read, uh, I, I, I write for Answers Magazine and you can, uh, I, I wrote about uh, that. Uh, I think it's called Fungus Firearms. Okay. Um, and there's that, that article if you want to learn more about it with pictures. Since cool. we're not on TV and I can't show you anything. Yeah, and you really um, should YouTube uh, the Pylobolus uh, mechanism. There's some wonderful short video clips um, available. And one of my favorites, it's kind of uh, set to the, 
1812 overture. It right. has the cannonballs uh, mm-hmm. uh, bursting while the mechanism is releasing yeah. spores, and it's it's really neat. And how yeah. small are we talking here? How well, how tall is this ball, little? The, that Sprangio uh, four is very. It's less than a, uh, just a couple millimeters. Okay, high. right, and maybe half a centimeter. And they shoot this cannonball, and the cannonball's no wider than your hair. I mean, it's a very small object that it has to be shot. Yeah. And then there's a lot of spores inside that container. But anyway, plant spores, and I, I've, do you have any, I, we should wrap no, up. No, let's just soon. do, let's do one more here. You do, uh, you do the one that you're about to start. Well, um, th- I like, I like moss and I like ferns, but I'll do ferns. Uh, ferns, if you look on a nice fern in the, a nice shady woodland, you'll see on the underside of the fern leaf or fern frond little spots nicely arranged around the edge of the leaf or the leaflet. And those spots, some people think they're some kind of disease, but they are, these little spots are called sori. Yeah. S-O-R-I. And those sori are little clusters of sporangia. And what's really amazing is that the the fern, um, when they're the the sprangia are ready that it's literally a, a a spore catapult so if you you have to look at it under the microscope yeah. because these sporangia have uh, an annulus around them an annulus means a ring and these these annuli are basically a a bi, a biological catapult so when the spores are ready the annulus sort of bends inside out and tears open the sporangium. The spores are cocked back like a, a a rock in a catapult. Or let's say you dump a bunch of gravel in a catapult, and then you spring it, and it shoots all this gravel far away. The fern sporangia do that. Now, they're on the underside of the leaf, so when they shoot, I mean, uh, you have to see it under the microscope, right. a dissecting microscope, and it's pretty... You have to get the fern at the right stage. You have to poke the sori or the sorus. Uh, sorus is uh, singular for a cluster of sprangia. And then you can see them fire. And they cock back and then they wham and fling those spores very fast uh, and shoot them. So it's just great. Yeah, um, so and the- now they could get around otherwise, but God has put all sorts of cool little mechanisms that just display his glory. Absolutely. And of course, the evolutionists would say, oh, well, there was a selective advantage to flinging them a little bit farther. So, But the thing is, yes, it has an advantage to it. We understand that. But just because something has an advantage that Darwinian natural selection can work to preserve and things that don't shoot spores don't get preserved, that is that is a different issue than the design of the thing itself. Selection selects four things, and we can say, yes, that's functional. It has a functional advantage. But that functional advantage does not uh, create, uh, just because it has an advantage doesn't mean that evolution is going to invent that. Right. It's something, somebody has to design these in me- these amazing mechanisms right. 
And um, it's like the old the old adage. Uh, Survival of the fittest doesn't explain the arrival of the fittest. The arrival of the fittest. Yeah. Right. This mechanism's already here. It, exactly. And, and anything about its design doesn't explain how it got there necessarily. Right. Yeah. And then these ferns are amazing. So seedless plants, there are seedless plants out there. Right. Um, and these are one of them. So look for those ferns in shady wet spots in the forest or under your porch. Or a lot of people plant uh, ornamental ferns. Uh, they're really beautiful. And and just flip over that frond to see if there are yeah, any the sore Boston, eye back there. I, I've, on Boston ferns, which a lot of people have as house plants, mm-hmm. um, I I've never seen sore sore eye on Boston. They might grow, but I've just not seen. Oh, them. interesting. But uh, the 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 ferns in the woods generally at the right time of year you can see them. And of course, if you have a dissecting scope, which are the three D type scopes, you don't need much. You only need just a leaf. One little tiny leaf with a few sori and yeah, and it. if uh, yeah, for homeschoolers and other schoolers out there, if you just if your kids like nature, consider a dissecting scope for especially for the early years. You know, compound light microscopes mm-hmm. are great, but they're really for the right, super small the, stuff. That, that's the super yeah. With but glass if you want to look at you want to look at sori, you want to look insects. at seeds or leaves. Man, those dissecting scopes just. Right. They just really They're also make called, the, the macro world vibrant. Yeah. And they are also called uh, stereo microscopes. Yeah. They often have binocular oculars and you can stick your, I mean, they're not, like you said, they don't have as high a magnification, but you see things in 3D and you can stick your finger under, yeah. under it. And your finger now looks like the size of a softball. Yeah. And you can see, man, I need a manicure bad. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah. They, they have a light that can shine up through the object or down on top yeah. of the object, which so is nice. Top light or backlight. The yeah. backlighting is great to see uh, insect wings, you know, because it backlights the veins. Oh, yeah. So, and since we're turning this into a commercial, I, I recommend Amscope. I was going to do the same thing. So maybe yeah. they'll sponsor us here eventually. Yeah. yeah. A- Amscope, you can get stereo microscopes. You can get the normal compound light microscopes for glass slides too. And they've got a every kind of scope for any price range. And you can get actually a dissecting scope for 200 Yeah. They've got a lot of decent scopes for right around that cost. Yeah. And that's really good optics. and. Just take good care of it and you, it'll be an excellent investment. Absolutely. And some of them even have the digital connection where you can connect the yeah. the scope camera directly to a monitor yeah. and blow up whatever you're looking at. Yeah. Fun. One time I, I have a dissecting scope at home or stereo microscope at home and we had some people over for dinner and I showed a kid to look at some of my insects under it and they were just sold right away. And they wanted a dissecting scope for their birthday. Nice. And they let their parents know right away that's what they want for their birthday but you didn't talk about seed dispersal by animals at the dinner no table. i didn't I okay did, i did double checking yeah i just showed them an insect insects are cool <laughs> insects are the, okay at the dinner table yeah <laughs> it depends on what you <laughs> all right well good chatting with you gordon yeah we'll see you next time see you next time thank you for listening And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O, science.com.